ברוכים הבאים בשם השם, ברכנוכם בבייס השם. גוט יום טוב. טונאייט אז יוד בייס תמוס. היום טוב. נאצ'ס היום טוב, פרט חג החגים, היום טוב ועוד יום טוב. Such a Yom Tov as Yud Beis Tammuz We should not speak about anything else but Yud Beis Tammuz <coughs> But we will <laughs> There's a yard, two Yad Sites this week as well But Sheva Baruch Abbas of Yitzchok And the Shem and Aliyah and Yenendel Basavitz Chiyakiv, which will be on Yid Gimel on Friday, May 7th, Balim of the Also, the families should be Menachem, they should have all Tanchumim, and we should be Zechet to the prophecy of the Kitzuran Rusheikh Neofar, the Hain Besechan. We're not going into yard sites. We're talking about Yom Tov. <coughs> Sorry. A Yom Tov like Yud Beis Tammuz, Yud Gimel Tammuz, Yud Beis Tammuz, the birthday of the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Chabad Rebbe of Lubavitch, the Beis of Yitzchak, the sixth Chabad Rebbe. And Yud Gimel Tammuz is the day of his freedom, that he was freed from prison. A day that a death sentence was overturned to the extent that he was sent home. On Gimel Tammuz, the death sentence was already taken off, removed, and he was sentenced to Kastrama, which is hard labor. And on Yid Gimel Thomas, he was told he's going home. A miracle, an open miracle. The birth of the Friedrich Rebbe, in its own right, is a miracle. His parents did not have any children for a while. His mother was actually in great pain over not having children. And it was on Simchas Teda. They decided they're going to go around to the entire shul and make a Mishabeach for each person. And they went from one person to the next making Mishabeachs. They went to the entire men's section and then the three men went to the ladies' section and made mishaberachs for each woman. Individual. <coughs> However, said the Rebetzin, she was very dejected to see that she was actually skipped. When they realized their mistake, they came back to the ladies' section and to bless her, to make a mishaberach for her. But at that point already she felt... She was left out, even from this. And her pain only increased to the extent that when everybody went to the Reb Maharash for the Sivkastera festivity for Fabrengen, she went home to rest. And she cried. And literally cried herself to sleep. And she cried herself to sleep And in her dream came a holy man and asked her, why do you cry, my daughter? When she explained how her whole plight, how she was barren, barren, did not have any children, 
and etc. etc. And they even missed her by the Mishaberach. He said to her, "Don't worry, don't fret. Within a year, you're going to be blessed with a son." He made two stipulations with her as to what it was that she would have to do. They're not clear because the person that repeated the story did not hear exactly what the Rebbe said, what, what she, how she repeated it. One stipulation was that immediately after Yom Tov, she should give to Tzedakah from her own money 18 rubles. But it has to be from her own money. And the other, that it should remain private. <coughs> oh. It should remain private. And the person that was in the dream went out of the room, came back into the room with two other people. And again gave her the bracha that she will be blessed with a boy, with a son within the year. And the other two men answered, Amen. That chair better here? Need the air conditioner blows on this side. And so she woke up, and the Rebbe Rashab came home from celebrations, and he came in and she told him immediately about the dream. Immediately he ran out, he ran back to the Rebbe Marash, his father, and told his father of the dream. Rebbe Marash called his daughter in law and asked her to describe the members in the dream. And she described them. The first man said that Rebbe Rashab was my father, the Tzamech Tzedek. The other two men was the Mitle Rebbe, his father, and the Alt Rebbe, his grandfather. His father-in-law and his father, his grandfather. After Simchasteta, she had to figure out where she got to find 18 rubles that belongs to her. And she remembered that she had a dress made once as a girl, which she never wore, and then became a colleague to the Rebbe's family, and knew that the Rebbe would not approve of such a dress. It was a very fancy dress, apparently. She called in a woman that she can confide in, and said to her, I need you to do this confidentially. Sell the dress. Don't say whose it is or anything. She went out and she sold the dress, and there was not exactly the amount of money, the 18 ruble yet. She managed to secure, again, the person did not hear exactly the details, how she secured the rest of the money. She gave the 18 rubles to Tzedakah. Mm-hmm. And within the year, on Yudbeis Tammuz, she gave birth to her son, Yisif Yitzchak, the previous Lubavitch Rebbe, the sixth Rebbe of Chabad. Needless to say, the Simcha was great in the families. The Marash, the Rebbe Rashab was very, very jubilant. The Marash was very happy. This is part of the celebration in Yibesid Yimotamas, the birth of the Friedrich Rebbe. His sentence was commuted. The death penalty that he was sent to, the black with the wagon that he was picked up in, etc., that meant pointed everything towards death, but yet miraculously on Yidgimel Thomas, he was told he can go home. Mm-hmm. Miraculously. What is a miracle?
A miracle is something that a person merits, technically. Technically speaking, we say it's a merit, it's a schus, that a person has, and they are blessed with a miracle. <clears throat> whether it be childbirth, whether it be crossing a river, coming out of a river, whether it be flying, whatever it might be, whatever miracle might transpire, a person feels they merited to this miracle. The crossing of the Red Sea, the water split and held up and waited for the Jews to cross. A miracle. On the other hand, we might say a miracle is not such a positive thing. Because the miracle is changing nature. Woe is to you that God had to change the natural way of the world in order for you to be able to live. So in one angle, the person perhaps could think, why? Why should I have seen to it? Why should nature have to do something differently for me to be able to, do, to get through it? Why did I alter nature? There's a bracha. The person goes through a miracle. They make the bracha barach. For most nischoyes are shigmalani kol teiv. That the Almighty sought to it to give me and to bless me with this tremendous greatness and goodness and kindness. Many circles have the custom that a woman after childbirth also makes the bracha. They come to shul. And some shuls are able to do that. The men can come to the mechitza. And um, they stand ten, million, and ten men around the mechitza. And behind the curtain, from behind the curtain, the, the woman makes the bracha. To which everybody answers, Sorry? It's... Most women do We don't do it in Chabad. Svadim do it, that's why. do it, so it depends on the, uh, how the woman's situation and on the baby's situation. It's at all, literally, after Gomel, you can say after four days, right? Stop. It's not going to be A miracle, when a person has, a, uh, when a person experiences a miracle, a car accident, Rahman al-Islam. Whenever they pass that spot, they make the bracha, Baruch I've told once a story of a fellow that was showing me around the sites of Israel, and when he took me up to the Golan, there's a one point where he got out of the car, he put on his gartel, and he made the bracha with Shem Amalchus, Baruch Atah Hashem Lekeinu Melchedem Sha'asul Ines B'mokim Zu. I didn't even have to say, Ari Makara, I didn't have to ask him what happened. He volunteered the story, it was during the Six Day War, They came to this point, it was Shabbos, and they were told to stop. But take no prisoners. If any Arabs come forth, shoot them. No prisoners. No. The, they were up on a mountainside, around the mountain, this is chocolate milk. And as they were by the mountain, a pair of Arabs came around the circle, around the road and they had their hands behind their heads, which is how the Arabs surrender 
One of them had three stripes on his arm. Sergeant. Khashiv. So the fellow that was standing guard together with Aryeh said, He's got three Pasim, let's capture him. It's a, worth, a worthwhile prisoner. And Aryeh said, Our orders are to shoot to kill. No prisoners. And while they were having this discussion, they told the Arabs, Stop, stop, stop. But the Arabs weren't stopping. They kept coming for, for, forth. As they got... A little too close for comfort, Aya lifted up his gun, and his friend obviously had no choice, and followed suit, and they shot. And as soon as they hit the Arabs, they blew up. They were holding grenades behind their heads, and they were looking, as soon as they can get close enough, they'd pull out and die. They were going to get and martyr them. So whenever he comes to this place, he makes the bracha Baruch HaSinez B'makim Becomes a Shaila. Does this bracha of this miracle have any relevance, relevance to a child? In other words, my mother Shalom had a car accident that landed her in 30 days in hospital. She had 11 broken bones. She was sitting on Ocean Parkway waiting to turn and she committed the... Well, she didn't necessarily commit it then because when she taught us how to drive, she taught us when you're by waiting for a turn, you keep your wheel straight. You don't turn the wheel until you start your turn. You keep your wheel straight in case somebody hits you from the back. They won't send you into the oncoming traffic. They'll just send you forward. And apparently, either she was getting ready to turn and all of a sudden another car appeared, whatever it was, her wheels were turned. A car behind her rear-ended her and sent her into the oncoming traffic. And the oncoming traffic smacked her into a pole. And it was just, you know, they said when they saw the car, they didn't imagine anyone was alive. So 11 broken bones and 30 days later she came home. When I drive by that street corner, I feel compelled to make a bracha. I didn't see the scene. I didn't get to the scene. By the time I got called, my mother was ready in, in Lutheran. They were going to take it to Coney Island Hospital. It was a few blocks away. They said, no, you got to go to Lutheran. So I ran straight to Lutheran Medical. I never went to see the car. It was a far ride. Yes, they took it down. That was the best trauma place. Said for car accidents. And but I still feel compelled. Whenever I drive by that block, that corner, I feel a bracha. I feel a welled up in me to make a bracha. Is there any credence to this? Does a child have to make a bracha of a gemel or something that happened to the parent? A miracle that happened to the parent? Do they have to say a... If a person has makes a suda, say, duh, just this week or last week, it was a group of fellow people that had suffered a car accident many, many years ago. Uh, it was a major car accident. They all escaped from a, a flaming car. And they get together every year since. It's like 40, 50, I don't know what it is. Very, very long ago. They're all grandparents and then they've married grandchildren already, great-grandparents. But they come together every year to give thanks to God, whether it's over the phone or whether it's physically. They seek to get together on the day of the anniversary of the accident. A person has a obligation to make a suda seidah a feast of thanks thanking God for the miracle that they had on this particular day so the question becomes does a child need to do so for the father a father who passed away and now the father's special day that he celebrated all his life because a special miracle happened to him on that day. 
does the child have an obligation to celebrate that day for the father? The person has a yard site, they say Kaddish for the father, and the father passed away. Do they have the obligation to keep that day of simcha, of thanks to God? The halacha dabbles in a difference of a child whose father experienced this miracle when he was alive, when the child was alive, or if the father experienced it before the child was born. For if before the child was born, then the child at the time had no connection with the father, shouldn't have to do anything. Child who was connected already to the father, who was living with the father, and experienced it, practically lived with, lived through it with him. So that child perhaps would have to be more plausibly obligated to do this. Then there's different levels, says Shachanarach, about a teacher, a mentor. If they had a miracle, do we have to celebrate their miracles? A Rebbe, a Nasi Adel, falls into a different category. Although we do not celebrate the day that Moshe Rabbeinu was pulled out of the Nilus. You know what date that was? <laughs> Anybody? Google it. <laughs> How do you get it with Shavuos? He was three months old. Right. Other than listen to ear to seven. Correct. Shavuos. It was before Shavuos. Last Shavuos, I believe. Testament. Yeah. Yes. Correct. It was Shavuos time. But do we celebrate on Shavuos a special cheesecake that Meshur Ben was brought out of the Nilus? No. Now we have a new reason to celebrate. There we go. An extra cheesecake. It's going to be a chocolate pot. An extra cheesecake for Meshur Ben as a celebration of getting saved from the Nilus. Okay. Mark that one down. We're just going to put that up on the calorie counter while we're doing it. But Meishe Rabbeinu, we know is Pashtusa the Meishe Bechadara Vedara, that Meishe exists in each and every generation. Every leader of every generation has a part of Meishe Rabbeinu within him. And therefore, it, we are affected, every generation is affected directly from Meishe Rabbeinu. So do we therefore in turn celebrate Meshe Rabbeinu's saving, Savior being saved from the Nilus. No. However, when it comes when it comes to a Rebbe, a Nasi Adel, a Nasi Huakil, the Nasi is everything Rebbe is the Rosh Tevis, the acronym Rosh B'nai Yisrael. When it comes to a miracle that our Rebbe experienced, we do have that obligation. We do have that connection to celebrate. Bifrat, especially, the following year after the miracle of Yudgimel Tammuz, the Rebbe wrote a letter wrote a letter thanking of, of praise and thanks to Hashem. And the Rebbe says clearly, not only myself, not only was I saved from prison, but the entire generation, and not only the entire generation, anyone called Jew was saved when I was taken out of prison. So much so. So when we celebrate Yudbeis Yudgimel Tamas, it is directive 
from the Rebbe, from the Friedrich Rebbe, to us, to celebrate, to be happy, not to say Tachnun, to wear Big Day Shabbos, and to literally consider it a Yom for us, is Chag Shebechagim. Chag Chag. Discussing in the theme of continuing the, well, the way of a father. This week's Parsha, Parsha's Pinchas, in case we didn't mention that's the name of the Parsha this week, and most people will say Pinchas with a Yud. Parsha's Pinchas, we find two references two references to a father and a son. One is of a father and his son, and one is of a dead father and a non-existing son. Now anybody that would just take that from the podcast and all of a sudden leave the rest of it out, they won't sleep for a week. Meshach <laughs> Rabbeinu says to the Rabbeinu Shalom, I'm not going into Israel. The Jews need a leader. Mesh actually referred to his son. That his son should take over, says Rashi. His son should lead the Jews into Israel. To which the Almighty answers to him, No, I will not leave the Jews without a leader. They will go in with Yeshua. We will discuss that at length. Before that, though, the other part of the riddle, discussing the dead father and the non-existent son, the daughters of Tzalafchad come to Meshir Abenu and they say, Avinu Meis, our father has passed away, and he had no sons, but we feel that we rightfully need to get an inheritance. Why should our father's name and his land and everything be put to naught? Why should we not receive it? Why should we not continue his legacy? Another thought that we will go through. Going back to the story of Meshur Abenu. In the Pasha tells us the words of Mesha to God, Appoint, Almighty God, a person on the nation. Following that, we have the Kriya of Rishchidish, the Torah portion of Rishchidish. Tzavetz b'nei Yisrael, command the Jews, v'amart aleyim, and tell them, es korbani lachmi li'ishai, my sacrifice, my bread's offering, reach nichechi, tishmeru la'akrevi b'meadei, the, my scent, you should watch to bring to sacrifice. What does the two parashas have to do with the other? What is B'nai Slavchad? What is, excuse me, Meshir Abenu asking for a leader, for a new leader for the nation, have to do with the Karbanis that we talk about as Karbani Lachmi the Ishai? So the Tzavetz B'nai Yisrael, I'm commanding the nation of what you said before. You said, says the Ebishter Tumesha, Yifkeid Hashem. Let the Almighty appoint. Amalei HaKadosh Baruch the Almighty said to him, Ad she'atam itzavuni albanai, you're commanding me about my child, Tzivez banai alai, command my children to me. Let them do for me. Says Rashi, 
Moshul Lebas Melech. A Moshul is parable to the princess. That was dying. And on her deathbed she says to the husband, Watch out for the children, look after the children. And the husband says, Let the children remain connected to me. Rashi finishes off with the words, Kid'isa b'sifri. Like brought down in the Sifri, I'm bringing this marshal, this parable, from what's brought down in Sifri about the princess who was dying. Let us open the Sifri. In the Sifri it reads as follows. Marshal Lema Hadavar Deime. A parable. What is this compared to? Please pay attention to tell me to find the discrepancies. Lemelech to a king. Shaisa Ishtay Nifteres Minailam, whose wife was dying. She commanded the husband to look after the sons. He said to her, I am asking you, She said to him, Excuse me, watch my children. He said to her, you see to it, like until now, that the children should still respect me. They should not revolt against me. They should not embarrass me. Says the Sifri, This is what the Almighty said. Ad she'ato. Until you, Mifakdeini Albanai, are worrying about my children, Kaybani Alai warn my children about me. Shalayin Hagubi Minagi Minag Bizayim Vishlayamiru as Kvedi Belakia Nechal. They should not embarrass me, they should not serve any other idols. A simple discrepancy between Rashi and Sifri Rashi gives a mushal which he is quoting from Sifri he gives a mushal of a princess the daughter of the king that is dying Mashenke in the Sifri gives us a mushal of a queen that is dying the wife of a king that is dying why is Rashi differentiating from the Sifri? Again, the Sifri, the Moshe was the king and is losing his queen. That is befitting to the comparison of the Almighty who is the king and Moshe which is like his wife. However, Rashi says, no. I'm not referring to a king and queen, but rather a princess that was passing away. And she commanded her husband. According to Rashi, therefore, Mesha is the princess and the Almighty is a regular husband. What is Rashi trying to imply? Also to understand Rashi, if Rashi had a new twist on the idea here of the connection between Mesha and the Almighty, then Rashi should not quote the Sifri, should not say as it says in Sifri. But since he does, therefore the twist that he is making, the change that he is making over the words of the Sifri, have to have a relevance relevant to us. But we still don't understand how it works. Why is Rashi choose it in a way that's not exactly according to the Sifri? 
comes another player into the dimension. We have Rashi and the Sifri now in Medrash Tanchuma. In Medrash Tanchuma it says a similar marshal. Marshal the Mahad Dover Dame, what is it compared to? The Melech Shinisa Isha, a man, a king that married a woman. She had a guardian. Every time, says the Medrash, each time the husband got angry at his wife, the king at his queen, the Shushbin used to appease him. What happened? All of a sudden, the guardian died. Hitzchel Mevakish when Amalek can start to ask from the king, and Amalek said to him, "Bevakoshem imach, I'm asking you a request. Ten daitcha alishtecha, look after your wife." Amalek Amalek, the king says to Mata Matzuni Mitzavani alisht alisht alishti tzavazishti alai. Why are you telling me I should watch my wife? Let her watch how she acts to me. Why? Is the Medish Tachuma's marshal any better than the Bas Melech that's telling her husband where Rashi brings it down? Not the way the marshal of the Tanchuma. The general stress, the general point here, focal point, is the Almighty needs us, needs the children, Kvayachal. Like he writes, as Karbani lach me my breads, my sacrifice. That the sacrifice that we bring is God's food. God needs these sacrifices. And therefore, Hashem says to Moshe, until now, my children were commanded, now could you command my children on me? The request of Meshe from the Almighty, Mitzavani Albani, is a forceful thing that the Jews should accept and do the mitzvahs and bring the karbanis. There should be a person on each generation, each each congregation, and he should be the Meira Emanik, the teacher, the leader. And Mesha is asking, it should not be like a nation without a shepherd, like sheep without a shepherd. This is the request from Mesha. Remind them and put it in their minds and their heads that they should remember the commandments that I have. They should bring my sacrifices. It's not only a pleasure for me to see when they bring the sacrifices. It's not an additional issue. It's my existence. I need these sacrifices. This is my food. This will come about only according to Rashi's explanation. Where the, the princess that was dying, and she told her husband. Because when the king asks from his wife, from the queen, to tell her husband, to tell the children, that they should honor him. Why? Everybody knows he's the king. Even if the mother didn't warn them, they know they have to behave like princes and princesses. They They can't disgrace the king. But when it's talking about a regular husband... The husband that is not a king, according to Rashi, he's only married to a princess. Then the children have no respect for him. No reason to respect him. Because they are children of royalty. Their mother was royalty. But you, Mr. Father, are nothing. And therefore the husband was concerned that the children will forget who he is, that I am the father. And therefore he needs Dafka, such a command. 
And this is therefore why Rashi brings this twist that the husband was the husband of a basmelech, of a princess. Since the husband himself was not a miyuchis, like we said, he had no stature. The only stature in the house was the fact that she was the princess, she was the queen, the king's daughter. So as we said, the husband was concerned that if she dies, the children will turn around and say, who are you? We are, children, we are grandchildren of royalty, and you are nothing. This is what he said to his wife. That until she requested, when she was worried and concerned about her children, and she's asking about, as a bas melech, as a princess, look after my children, the grandchildren of the king, pay attention to this. And this is therefore the children's and the, the wife's answer that I will see to it the other way around. That is the husband's answer, let them see to it that they respect me. <coughs> we see therefore the marshal fits in with the nimshal. The marshal of the queen of the daughter of the king fits in with the story with Meshe Rabbeinu. Meshe Rabbeinu was a Raya Yisrael. He was a shepherd. And he's asking with full heart, <coughs> Yifkei Hashem, the Almighty should appoint Ishala Eda. Don't leave them like an Eda's Hashem, Kitsein Hashem Like a sheep without a, without a, a shepherd. Just like the Basmelech, the queen, the princess, that she is asking of her husband to worry about the children, the grandchildren of the king. And we saw already before that Moshe speaks in force about the Jews. Where Moshe tells God to protect the Jews, Ve'ata now im tisachatasim are teiv, im ein mechenim no. If you're going to forgive them, good. If not, wipe me out of your Torah. Therefore, the Almighty answers Meisha at Shatam Mitzaveni Abni Tziva as Bonai Till now, the commandment was to them. Now, tell them how they have to respect and do for me. Since part of the Bnei Yisrael already went through, went over the commandments of God several times. Vayinasu. The Almighty says to Mesha ten times the Jewish nation went against me and did not listen to me. Therefore the Almighty has what to worry about. That they're not going to keep to the letter of the law. Like the grandchildren of the king. That he's worried and he's concerned that they will embarrass him after the mother dies. And therefore, Meish Rabbeinu gets this message from the Almighty. Tzavas B'nai Yisrael were after asking for a new a replacement, for a new leader of the Jewish nation. The Almighty says to him, Tzavas B'nai Yisrael, command them to bring my karbonus. That the Abish is telling him, just like the father needs bread, the husband needs the respect from the children I'm asking the Basmelech to do so as well today's day and age for those who have noticed or haven't had the experience lately we are unfortunately not bringing physical karbonis since we are not bringing physical karbonis how do we connect, how do we correct this the Chazal tell us in Masechtis Brachas for those keeping score at home Chavav Amit Beis 26 I2 Tefilais B'mokim Timidim Tiknun Tefilais, the prayers that we daven three times a day are established in place of all the sacrifices so therefore we learn the tremendous severity and the tremendous importance of prayer in case a person should ever think 
Why daven? What's so important for me to daven? I daven when I need something. Something bothers me. Something disturbing me. I need to pray for a child. I need to pray for the wellness and well-being of a child. I need to pray for something that someone has uh, done to me or that I need to do a business deal. I, I need to pray. But why daily do I have to pray three times a day? What will be lacking if I don't pray three times a day? Twice a day is not enough. This is the lesson that we get from here. Rashi tells us that we're referring to here the Almighty begs from Mesha the commandment on the Jewish nation to continue to see to bringing sacrifices. And therefore, Lachmi, it's my bread. This is very important and it's a must. Even more than that, Yifkid Hashem, the Almighty actually appoints so we see the tremendous importance of prayer of tefillah that comes in the place of karbanis each and every day especially throughout the year on a a simple day of the week each and every prayer that we pray causes a nachas ruach the fonai shemati v'nasar etzaini on the other side we discuss the fatherless, non-existing son. The daughters of Kerach come to the Kudasari, the daughters of Tzlavchad come to Meshir Abenu. and they tell him a very, very sad story. Avinu Meis, our father has died, and he left no son. Since he left no son, who is going to carry this out? Who is going to get his properties? Lama Yigre Shem Avinu, Mitech Mishpachtei. Why is our father's name? diminished in any which way, form or fashion from his family he doesn't have a son give us an inheritance give us something hope The Tvia Farahatwadi no no can shakalibura. This situation that Bene Slavkat present to Mesha Mesha's immediate answer is please stand by. Hold on. I don't have an answer for you. Rashi is concerned with the Benchamesh, the Mikra. The poor child sees that Moshe says, I don't know. How is that possible? How can it be possible? Moshe doesn't know. So Rashi tells the Benchamesh, the Mikra, there's two things that could happen. Take the other chair and fill up on it. It's easier. One is because Moshe Rabbeinu once cited any difficulties you come to me, bring to me to which Hashem said to you, who are you? That's to be brought to me. Says, so for that, 
That is one of the reasons that he forgot this halacha. Another explanation says Rashi. That the Bnei Slavchad had such a beautiful taina, their complaint was so valid and so pure, pure that they deserved to have their own portion of the Torah mentioned. And this thing was therefore by Dabar Hashem Mesha, the Almighty comes to tell and explain to Mesha what to do. Bnei Slavchad had two problems, two issues they are requesting here. Part one is their father was one of the people that left Egypt. And therefore when they left Egypt they were told they're going to have to sell and they had to have a part and they had to sell. And the other part, the other question, the other issue was he had to have a chedek im echav kefir. All the other properties that were divided up. It's not understood. This Tvia, this beseechment of saying, Bnei Slavchat saying, that Chelek Avien, they wanted the part of their father, their father's part, portion, because he left Mitzrayim. Who said anything about giving the people of Mitzrayim when they left? It had to go to the people that came into that cell. When they arrived, they had sold. They divided the land. What does that have to do with leaving Mitzrayim? And if Tzlavchot would have had a son, it would not have been these five girls. The son would have gotten his own inheritance, not Tzlavchot. So first of all, let us understand... That the people that came into Israel received their part of land. But still, in all the merit of the Boya Oritz, the people that arrived in Israel, what merit did they have that they were able to get anything in Israel? Because they were in, inheriting from the people that left Egypt. Because they were guaranteed that they're going to get to going to the Holy Land. What happened later with the Miraglim and everything else, ultimately, they didn't get into that. So, the sin did not take away their whole schus, their whole merit. It went to the children. It says in the Bible clearly, Vitapchem. So the schus, the merit of the Bayorets, are the ones that came into the Holy Land. That schus, that merit, was based upon the people that left Egypt. Being children of the people that left Egypt. Therefore, their taina, the Bnei Slavchad, just like the merit from anyone else that left Egypt went to their children, the merit of our fathers should also go over. I, women, did not get inheritance. But their complaint here was, Avinu, our father, Bechet Oimes, died out of his own sin. There's one of two opinions whether he was the Makeshish Eitzim, or he was from the Mapilim. But there was one of two, whatever reason it was, he did not die with Kerach. He did not die, he was not part of the Kerach revolution. He died out of his own sin, of his own thing. And he loved the land. He wanted to go into the land. And therefore it's not possible that the Almighty's guarantee and promise to receive part of the land should be totally eradicated. So much so, that because he doesn't have a son, it would be taken away from him. 
Therefore, the Taina was that the Almighty guaranteed it to our Father, it has to come on to us. They wanted Chelek Avien, that the Almighty guaranteed. So we see, therefore, the great importance and how connected is the act of the child and the life of the child to the father. And this we see in the beginning of the parasha. <coughs> Pinchas was a kanoi, a zealot. He stepped up. At the time when Zimri was sinning, and this whole plague broke out, everyone was there. Meisha, Loza, there's Canaan, Pinchas. Pinchas, though, was the youngest of the whole group. But Pinchas, Davka, stepped forward, and he said the din, Kanoyim Pegim And he stepped forward, and it was agreed upon, it was urged, and he says, Karina the Igrisa Ilahave Pravakna. Let the one who reads the letter be the agent to carry it out. So since he stepped forward and said this is what has to happen, so the Medrash tells us the reason <coughs> this was done Dafka through Pinchas, not through Mesha, is so that Pinchas can come and take the Kahuna. Can become the Kayan. Mind you, Meisha did not merit to that. Meisha was a levy. And this teaches us that when we have certain things, an opportunity presents itself to the G'daylim of the generation. But they stand by quietly and don't say anything. And it not always means that you shouldn't do anything. We have to know though, if someone can do something, the person has to step forth and do it. I, people greater than him are not, they're sitting quietly. That could be that he deserves the merit and therefore they're leaving it for him. The Maya, they want him to do this. In heaven they want him to do this mitzvah. And therefore nobody else is doing it. Ubemela, when the Indian comes to his hand to do it, he doesn't make Keshbenis, but he has to do it immediately, even till Messias Nefesh. And the Maila, they give him the Keches that he needs, that he should be successful. This is a tremendous, tremendous test. We have to know our limits, we have to know our place. We may not do something though that would be contra to halacha, that would be contra to teda. If we're going to do something, we need to do it in a way that it will concur with das teda. And only then do we have a right, even if other people are not doing it at the time yet, to step forth and to do it. But the essence needs to be done. And therefore, if it's left for you to do it, you step up and do it. But it must concur with Das Teda. If it goes against Halacha, you may not do it, of course. If it causes Lashon Hara, if it causes Shvichas Domim, if it causes something to somebody that does not deserve, you are not the judge and the jury. You are only the person that is actually fulfilling. But therefore, we will have to step up this Shabbos, and being coming from Chag Ha'gaula, from Yedbeis Gimel Tammuz, from such a Yom Tov, I did not begin to discuss next week Shivasa B'Tammuz, and we begin the fast of Tuesday, it's by day only, and it begins the three weeks, 
Really now the next week we'll discuss Ginnin pertinent to the three weeks. Um, we'll start also adding in Hilchas Beis Habechira. And we hope that Jehovah Yomel is sustained of the Simcha. And therefore we will see to it that the actual days we will celebrate, we will sing, dance, joy, Yerushalayim with Mashiach Tzitgenu, Shabbat Shalom to all.